Hello, this is Michael Azarad, Editor-in-Chief of the Talk House, and welcome to the Talk House Music Podcast. His Golden Messenger's most recent album, Lateness of Dancers, came out in the autumn of 2014 and found the songwriting process of frontman MC Taylor still evolving, which is kind of cool after four albums. He's obviously thinking a lot about the craft and inspiration involved, so it's no surprise that songwriting process was the main thing he talked about with Jim James. who fronts My Morning Jacket, whose new album The Waterfall came out this spring. James also made a stunner of a solo album a couple of years ago called Regions of Light and Sound of God. My Morning Jacket brings in some disparate outside influences, prog rock and disco for instance, while His Golden Messenger mostly keeps it local, with roots in country rock, folk, and southern R&B. But both musicians make their acclaimed music with a pronounced southern flavor. They have much in common, and they're fans of each other's work which is what brought them together for this edition of the TalkHouse Music Podcast. First, James and Taylor remind us once again what a small musical world this is by revealing a show their two bands played together a long time ago. Then these two guys start in on some very basic questions, like, how do you write a song? What comes first, music or lyrics? Those are cliche interviewer questions, but when one songwriter asks another songwriter, you're bound to get some interesting answers, and James and Taylor both oblige. And even these two successful, highly praised songwriters confess to self-doubt and being intimidated by the prospect of making music in the shadow of giants like The Beatles and Bob Dylan. They even acknowledge that often they don't completely grasp the impact of their own songs. There's only one thing that eventually allows them to do that, but we'll let them explain it. So here it is, the TalkHouse Music Podcast with Jim James of My Morning Jacket and MC Taylor of His Golden Messenger. The two spoke via Skype while both were on tour, Taylor in Toronto and James in Niagara Falls, New York. Hey, Jim. Hey, Michael. What's going on? Not too much, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a beautiful day up here in uh, near Niagara Falls. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, as it turns out, when, when we were driving over here, it occurred to, to us in the van that we probably could have met somewhere to do this because we're so close to each other. Where are you? We're in Toronto. Oh, are you really? <laughs> Did you yeah. go to Niagara Falls this morning? No, we came in from Detroit yesterday. Oh, okay. Yeah. So are you guys playing there tonight? Or you Did you already do the show there? No, yeah, we're playing here tonight at the Art Park Amphitheater. Not the Aardvark, but the Art Park. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, so... Um, I think that uh, what we're talking about today is process, um, songwriting process, and I suspect that this conversation will ramble all over the place. But maybe that, um, maybe that is the the foundation on which we build this conversation. Cool. If you're okay with that, so um, both of us are songwriters. Um, you uh, write songs for my morning jacket, of course. I write songs for. Um, under the name His Golden Messenger. And I am always um, very excited to talk to someone else that has, that has approached their craft in a really deliberate way, like it seems you have. You've been doing this for so long. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a long time. I mean, it's a long time. It's, um, 
So we've been so, doing it about the same amount of time, right? I mean, it well, seems we like ha- we have been doing it about the same amount of time. In fact, we didn't we didn't talk about this when we just did those shows together. But do you remember playing a record store in Denton, Texas, in maybe two thousand one? I do. What's that place called? Uh, I, I don't know. Is it still there? I, I'm seeing it in my mind, but I'm bad with names. I've got a Swiss cheese mind when it comes to names. Yeah, so do I. Well, anyway, that was my morning jacket and my old band, Court and Spark, together. Yeah, I, I remember playing with Court and Spark. Yeah, so that Did was... Did you do other shows, too, or just that? Oh, we might have, but that's the one that I really remember. And right. I, would, I think that there was maybe maybe 10 people there. <laughs> yeah, or less. <laughs> or less. I mean, yeah, if we take the band members out, maybe less. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I want to I want to start by asking you this, a very general question. How do you how do you write a song? What do you what do you do? What's your process? It's a good question. Um I you know it's weird for me. It's like a uh it's like a two-part process because I'll find I just get, and I'm curious to see how this works for you because um, I know it's different for everybody, but I, I get a message from the universe or from God or, or whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I get a song in my head, and sometimes it's just a melody. I'd say maybe... 70 80 percent of the time it's just a melody and a beat there's some kind of beat going and there's some kind of melody and i'll pull out it's always at the most inopportune time so i'll pull out my uh cell phone and pretend like i'm going to the bathroom or whatever and just sing it into my phone so i don't forget it because i feel like that that part right there for me is the most important part because i feel like if you don't take the time to, to write it down or record that initial idea, it's gone forever. Because yep, yep. when I listen back, so I'll, I'll get that initial idea and then I'll uh, you know, have a process where I just go back and start digging through the ideas. And uh, you know, I mean, you probably have had this experience too where you hear the idea and you're like, oh my God, I'm so glad I, I recorded that because I never would have remembered that again. You know, it would have been gone forever. I think sometimes I have the inverse of that experience as well, which is you get very excited, you sneak into the bathroom and record your voice memo, which I have done so much of, and yep. then you listen back to it a couple of weeks later and you can't make, usually it's just, I can't make heads or tails of what it is, what the melody is I'm trying to sing. I was too close to the microphone or it just, I, I get, I, I, lo- I lost it. Yes, or it's too quiet. Like sometimes like if my girlfriend's asleep or whatever and I sneak off into the bathroom to try and record the message, I'm singing super quiet. You know, I'll listen back <laughs> to some of those and I'll be like, oh man, I wish I would have sung it a little bit louder. Right. But yeah, it's like once, but once I get those things, then it's like this whole other process of, you know, you listen back to them and maybe one inspires you on a certain day and and then some lyrics start popping out or, or you know, some other ideas start popping out or, or you know, some of them I feel like kind of go in this bin where I maybe won't work on them for years, you know, five or six years or whatever. And then you'll, you'll find one or I like to listen to uh, just listen to all the audio on my phone on random, you know, so it'll be playing, 
you know, it'll play a song, I don't know, Bob Marley or something, you know, and then the next one that comes up will be a voice demo from six years ago that I'll right. be like, oh man, that's cool. And then I'll, you know, try, remember that and try and work on that. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this question. So when you get asked the inevitable question of, do you write the words or the music first? How do you respond to that? That's, for me, that's, that's been an, evol an evolving answer for me. Huh. Well, I, for me, it's pretty much 90% of the time it's music first and maybe two or three words, you know, maybe just a couple of words that are the, what would become the chorus of the song or the, or the main idea. And then it, it's different. Some songs I, I'll write pages and pages and pages and pages of words that'll be whittled down to, you know, not that many words or other times it'll just be a few words, you know. I also like thinking about it sometimes as a, a, a puzzle, you know, like an, an almost illogical or abstract word puzzle, you know, where it's like I, I have this melody that I like or I have this, this instrumental section that I like, and I, but I don't really have anything to say or I don't necessarily want to convey any uh, lyrical message. So I'll try and build build some kind of word puzzle that I like the way the words sound together, but they might not necessarily mean anything, you know, but they would mean different things to different people. Right. Right. What okay. about you? Well, uh, you know, my process is generally, I'm, I think it might be a little labor intensive, but I'm usually working on words and music at the same time. Um, I mean, like, my songs feel like so so rhythmically based that yep. I'm I'm usually just fussing with with like honestly syllable content. Like, what is the word here that 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 covers the syllables that I need to make this rhythm work properly? Right. Um. You know. So. Uh. And and sometimes sometimes the words come really fast. And sometimes the words, you feel like they're almost never going to come. Oh, my God, yeah. Like sometimes there are songs that I feel like I had to settle because that's as close cosmically as I could get to what the emotion of the song seemed to be. But I, yeah. could not, I couldn't quite put my finger on it, so I had to just sing what I had. Yep. And, and sometimes that's a buzzer beater thing where you're literally – Doing it right as you're, you know, recording your, you know, the final song or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And then there, are, there, are, you know, there are those tunes that just sort of come out of the sky, and it's like this song is, you know, here you go. Here's the song for you, and here's all the verses and choruses, and it's I know like, it's going to come in 15 minutes. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, it's so weird. Do you ever find it's helpful to? Uh, because I'll find like sometimes if I've got, I don't know, half the words or something to a song, if we'll if we play it, you know, if we just sit around and play it, just by singing gibberish sometimes, that that will make the rest of the words come. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you ever have that experience? I totally have that, and I have the I have this other experience that is kind of similar, where you know, if I have a song demoed out and I had to just 
mumble my way through some verses, if I just make a recording of it and then play it on repeat in the house, like the words start to appear like specters, like, yes. what was I saying there? Oh, wait a second. That actually sounds like I'm saying, you know, X. That, that, yes. wor- that works with the tune. Oh, yeah. I do that all the time. And also sometimes I will listen to uh, foreign music like Thai or Vietnamese or whatever and and listen to what they're saying, which I obviously don't understand, but right. interpret it to be uh, English, you know, and get uh-huh. really inspired by that sometimes. <laughs> okay, so can I ask you, uh, can I go like into a specific song of yours, just because I, I personally, from a very selfish point of view, would love uh, a little background on this tune, and it's my absolute favorite from new, your new record, is yeah. um, Compound Fracture. Uh-huh. Can you tell me about that tune? Do you remember when you came up with the original idea? I do. Yeah, that was that one's kind of a good example of one that evolved over I don't know, 5 or 6 years because I came up with the uh, the kind of initial riff of the song uh when I lived in uh the last apartment I lived in um before where I live now and it, it was kind of a soft acoustic thing. And, and I just kind of had the compound fracture, got to set the bone uh, line. Um, I, I had been through an injury and was just thinking about how so many times with, with an injury or, or a surgery or, or even, a, you know, not a physical injury, a, you know, a breakup or, or whatever, there's so many times you just have to you know, set the bone and don't walk on it and let it heal on its own because there's nothing you can do. You can't force it. You know, only right. time can 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 heal some wounds. And you know, everybody knows that, but I think that's really difficult to yeah. to remember. You know, you kind of want to speed up the healing. You want it to rush. You know, you want to be better now, but you can't. You know, right. and, and only time can make that better. And, and I think people have to learn that in their own way, you know, whether that's through a breakup or whether that's through a a broken leg or or whatever it is. Um, And just kind of thinking about that and thinking about society too, you know, how how do we heal the wounds in society? You know, how do we heal the wounds of racism and, you know, all these things we've been battling for so long, you know, can time heal those wounds? You know, it seems like we see – we see progress and we see hope and then we see terrible setbacks and you know it's like i don't know i think a part of music is trying to call attention to that and call attention to just the conversation you know like we need to keep having these conversations over and over again because i feel like it is possible for humanity to evolve and for humanity to heal and for us to all be on the same level, you know, for people to realize that all of these things that we're taught that make us so different are really just illusions. And at the end of the day, everybody is the same. Everybody wants the same thing. Everybody wants to be loved and, and to love. Um, so I, the songs, I don't know. Kind of, I, I feel like a lot of my songs are about a lot of different things, but um, I guess just the, the opening line of the song about sounding a, a warning of what's to come, you know, we could have paradise 
or we could have an untimely death if we keep destroying the world and destroying each other. Yeah, when sudden day comes, I'm gonna lose my son. Yeah, when sudden day comes, unlike everybody else. I might get a little crazy. I'm gonna drink some whiskey. How much of yourself like what what is that what does that negotiation look like with songwriting for you in terms of how much of yourself you put into your songs um now like that question may be maybe asking like how much is autobiographical but i think it's there's more to it than that like what sort of engagement are you looking for with your songs when you write them you know, I think at the end of the day, I am kind of irrelevant um, to in in my songs. I mean, my songs, some of them come from direct personal experience, but at the end of the day, like I'm trying to think of a way to say it that doesn't just sound um, silly. But at the end of the day, I like to think of like every living being as having the same root system or something. It's like there's roots growing out of all of our feet into the ground and there's this massive connection, you know, that we all connect through the ground and through the sky. You know, I really believe we're all connected. So the things that you say that resonate with me resonate with me because I am you and the things that I say that resonate with you resonate with you because you're me and you know I really believe that's the biggest part of the human experience is trying trying to remember that you know that that that's a very real thing so I mean something that happens to me personally in my personal life I try to write about it in as non-detailed of a way as I can so that there's no particular name or date stamp on it so that hopefully it could be relevant to anyone at any time you know and I try to think about that uh, you know even in terms of gender or, or things like that like I like to sing about love in a way that isn't referring to a man or a woman you know because I like to think about anybody who's in love with with a man or a woman or, or whatever you know being able to identify with the song um, right. So I, I try to write about it in a very personal but a very non-detailed way. Right. Yeah. And is this, I mean, is this, have you arrived at this place through songwriting? Or did this, was this part of you before you started writing songs? That's a good question. Uh, I, you know, I think it's probably part of me. I mean, you know, I, I think that's the greatest thing about um I think people like to talk about the bad things about growing older, you know, which there are plenty, you know, your body deteriorates and all that stuff. But I think there's a lot of good things about growing older and, you know, just just learning more and, and being more aware and, and, and trying to learn from your mistakes and, you know, just kind of, I don't, I don't know, just trying to be more open to the fact that, that we're really not alone and that everybody's really pretty much going through the same thing, 
You know, it's like we're all going through the same thing. And I definitely think songwriting has made me become more and more aware of that because you also, you know, you, I can be a pretty self-conscious person and, you know, hold you hold your own work up against your hero's work or whatever and, and feel like, oh, man, is, you know, is my stuff even worth listening to? You know, it's like you can listen to Bob Dylan sing about these things and he does it so much better than me. You know, it's like you can get into these wormholes uh, of self-doubt and stuff. But then at the end of the day, you know, you, you try to think, well, I, I'm grappling with it just like anybody else is grappling with it. So maybe there's somebody out there that feels similarly to the way I do. So hopefully it, it's all worthwhile at the end of the day. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do you get in that wormhole? Do you feel like you, do you get self-consciously comparing your work to other people's work? I think it feels sometimes unavoidable. Um, it, I feel like it's a very, the very strong and confident artist that can walk through this this world that you and I are both in and not not experience a little bit of self doubt. Um, I mean, I can definitely, in terms of my relationship to my musical influences and the records that I hold really dear or hold as as models for for what I do, I find myself, particularly during like the writing and recording process, not, not referencing them the ways that I did when I was younger. Right. Um, you know, I, I feel like there was a time when I, when I had just started playing music for real and was making records in a studio that we were always putting on the albums that we loved, um, you know, both to reference this, this, the like sort of sonic aesthetic, but also in hopes of like figuring out how, how they did it and hopefully trying to grab a piece of that. And I, that's something that I, ne I never do anymore. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. I can't, that's something that I, feel like I can't do because yeah I, I feel like that was a thing maybe you you do a little bit when you're younger but for me it was almost like I I don't want the the pressure of you know knowing that my guitar sound is not going to sound like George Harrison or what you know what I mean it's like you can't <laughs> you kind of that's the weird thing about recording too is like the the air I always think about the air and recordings and the time period and it's like you can get the same guitar, the same amp, the same mic, the same preamp, every single thing you can get the exact same thing that that they used to record George Harrison's guitar, you know, but you don't have the time, you know, you don't have the sound of the air of 1968 or whatever going through the sound, so it's not going to sound the same. I love I love that. I think that's totally totally true. Um and I think that I, you know, uh, I suspect that you've experienced this too. It's like after making a certain number of albums, um, you know, if you have found the niche that you that you are comfortable inhabiting, then you kind of know what your sounds are going to be. You can stretch. You can. You can. You can stretch those boundaries however way you need to, but. 
just less and less. I'm not going to reference a Bob Dylan record because I'm not making a Bob Dylan record. I'm making a Mike Taylor, a His Gold Messenger record. Totally. Um, and I don't know. That's like that was a lesson that took me a long time to learn. Actually, longer than most, I suspect. Definitely. So, yeah. No, it's an interesting art. It's, there's some black magic there. It is weird too. I mean, I just feel like yeah. There's a. It's a mix. Because a lot of times I do feel happy and confident, and you know, it's like, I, and I just love playing music. So it's like just the, the the act of playing or recording in itself is so great. It's like, you know, it's like just a such a weird head trip. I think. Well, I think really for anybody in any industry, because you're kind of getting. I feel like in our industry, when you're out on the road uh, touring, and, and you know, there's just so much other music out there, and I feel like for whatever reason, our generation is kind of positioned after this generation of, of all the giants, you know, of, of right. the Beatles and Glenn and you know, all the giants that it's like, you know, sometimes you want to just kind of scream at people and say, okay, we've listened to enough Beatles, we've listened to enough Dylan, you know, give somebody else a chance for a while. Yeah. But, you know, those things are, it's kind of like saying don't breathe or don't drink water, you know, because that music <laughs> is so essential. But Yeah. But I do, I do wonder if, you know, for instance, my kids are going to have the same, they're going to develop the same relationships to music that I had to my parents' record collection. So much is different about that whole equation now. But I just wonder what, what that, my, my children's relationship to music is going to look like. Um, right. You know, I mean, a big part of that or an interesting aspect of that for me is that so much of my music actually comes from my parents' time, you know? Oh, um, yeah. I have a ton Definitely. of, I have, I have a ton of contemporary music too, but I have to say a good 75% of our listening time at home with the family is stuff that actually comes from my parents' generation. So we're talking about, yeah. you know, when my kids are fully grown and, and making their own decisions out on their own, the music that they were listening to growing up is going to be closing in on 80, 100 years old. I know. Yeah, isn't that insane? It's just like, it's hard to wrap your mind around. Well, it makes you wonder, like, because there's certain things, you know, you think about whatever Beethoven or, you know, you think be people will be listening to Beethoven forever. Then you think about, the touchstones like uh, the dark side of the moon, you know, people will be listening to that record forever. And then you think about like Nina Simone, it's like people, there will never be another Nina Simone. So people will always be listening to Nina. It's like a, it, it is kind of, it does kind of for me get elemental, you know, cause it's like Nina Simone is like water to me. You know, it's like, I can't imagine not having her music to draw from. So yeah, it's like if your kids grow up listening to, whatever has inspired you, it's not like that's ever going to go away. You know, it's right. like you're, you're never not going to want to listen to whatever it is that you listen to. And that, but then I wonder what are the touchstones uh, of our generation and will those be as permanent because of the way music is so fragmented now and, and, it, and it's all it's like it all exists in the air. You know, there's those of us that care about vinyl and we press vinyl and, and you know, there is some semi-permanence to what we do, but so much of it 
just exists in this in this void where it's it's all free now and it's like even you don't even have to steal it anymore you know it's it's on spotify it's it's all streaming it's like totally social socially acceptable for it to be free so i wonder if we will retain the weight you know you know you know what i mean the weight and permanence because there's so many you know, whatever Bob Dylan EPs, I mean, LPs, you know, physically all over the earth from a time when they pressed millions and millions and millions of (laughs) vinyl discs. You know, there's just not physically, I I keep having these visions of all the power going out, you know, and we have no more internet and we have no more electricity, but still there are these, you know, carts that ride around from time to time with Victrolas or whatever that can play you know, normal records and, you know, so you can still <laughs> listen to anything that was pressed on vinyl, you know, and we'll go back to like, you know, every single campfire has like 32 copies of Fleetwood Mac rumors, you know, and, and maybe there's like, there's one My Morning Jacket record, you know, in all of North America or whatever that you might be able to listen to. Sure. Okay, so let me, um, I think we're getting close, close to the end here, but let me ask you this question. If um, if you if you could point to a song in your catalog from your entire life of songwriting, um, as one that you feel like you kind of got it, <laughs> it doesn't have to oh, be man. it doesn't have to be the one. But I'm just like asking if there is it happens to be a song that comes to your mind that you feel like that was, that was pretty close to what I've been wanting to do. Hmm. That's tough. I kind of go through the patterns of, uh, we call it the dog house where certain songs go into the dog house for me, you know, and it's like one week I totally hate the song. And then the next week for whatever reason, I totally love it. You know, it's the same thing. I'm trying to think of one that, uh, has never entered the doghouse. Maybe there's a song called "The Way That He Sings" uh, from our second record, yeah. um, and that's one that I feel like throughout the course of uh, the band's history, I've never really grown tired of playing because I feel like it it serves a lot of what I'm looking to serve in music in general because I feel like it's got. Um, I really like the melody and I feel like at the end it, it gets pretty explosive and rocks and I feel like it's, um, you know, got, got a bit of a message, at least for me, uh, of just kind of loving something because of the way that it, that it feels and not even knowing how to, to explain it. You know, I kind of wrote it about just loving the way that a person sings not because of the words that they're saying or, or the band playing behind them, but, but there's just something about the voice that rings true to my soul. Um, and, and just trying to write about how that feels, um, or with love, you know, there, I kind of talk about that a little bit too, of, of just why do I love this person? I don't know. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not because of right. really, anything in particular that they said or, or the, even the way that they look, you know, I mean, that is all part of it, but there's a deeper thing behind it that I don't understand, but you just know if it feels right or if it doesn't. You're sweet and sincere, but 
just to make a, a quick digression, um, really because you were talking about um, the way that someone sings, even if it's hard to put a finger on what it is that's compelling, still being an emotional experience. And I know that both of us knew Jason Molina, who's a, a great songwriter. Um, yeah. What was your relationship to his music? Man, I mean, his music, his voice is, that's kind of exactly what I was talking about. You know, his voice just, I almost think of it like a tunnel. You know, it's like when you heard his voice, it's like you're going down this tunnel, you know, and I feel like obviously a lot of what he dealt with was darkness. You know, you, you, at least for me, I always hoped that the tunnel was leading somewhere uh, bright for him. You know, I, I kind of, I always hoped uh, that through what he was trying to convey, that that, that would solve his riddle, you know. And, and, you know, who knows, maybe on some other dimension or some other place he has solved his riddle. But uh, I, I think the Magnolia Electric Company record uh, is just one of the best records ever made, you know, that any, especially anybody of our generation ever made. Um, and yeah, I just, I don't know, you know, I feel like we all try the best we can and, you know, we all make work that we're proud of. And then we make work that we look back on five or 10 years later and we're like, Oh, maybe I could have done that song better or, you know, but I think, you know, there's these moments when things, everything comes together and everything is right. And I feel like that, uh, Magnolia Electric Company record is just for me. That was that was his moment when all the bits came together and, and everything was just unbelievable. Yeah, I agree. I, that's like a sort of testament to uh, to our our time of of you know people that we know making music. That was a record where that was like, yeah, they did it. They got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How how well did you know Jason? I didn't know him super well. We did we toured together and we stayed in touch uh, off and on over the years. I mean, I was in touch yeah. a little bit with him at the end. There were uh, many many people that knew him much better than I did. Um, yeah, but I, I I thought of him as a friend. I mean, we spent we spent a lot of time together, and um, he yeah. was he was a he was a big. He was an inspiration, you know, just to to watch the way that he walked through his musical world was, uh, um, you know, he he did it with with seeming confidence. I don't know if there was if he had the sort of dark nights of the soul with with music. I suspect he probably did, but I don't know. He he found his thing early. And he just kept at it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, one thing that I, I think about so much now, um, and I think in part because I watched him do it, was not to, you know, there's that sweet spot with a song where you don't want to over, you don't want to overwrite it. You want it to, to get to that place where it feels done, but you want to leave a little bit of room to move because if you're going to live with it for the rest of your performing life, you need, 
you need to allow the song to grow with you. Absolutely. And I feel like he did Isn't that. Isn't that really. a weird thing? It's it's that's like the that's the biggest part of the sort of like black magic for me is like figuring out how much to leave undone. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's not even up to you, you know what I mean? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, all the best examples of of that happening in my own musical life have had nothing to do with me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like well, whatever yeah, it's so weird. And whatever planning ahead, I, I tr- whatever plans I tried to make in terms of like leaving room to grow had nothing to do with how the song actually came out. I know. It is so weird. Yeah. So weird. It's that I think of it like seeds, you know, it's like because I feel like if you make a record, I'm sure you feel this way, you know, the same way I do every time I make a record. It's like you put everything into it. You know, you put 110% into the record and you finish the record and, you know, whatever X number of months later it comes out and then you're playing it. And then, yeah, the songs start to grow and they start to change, you know, and maybe a year later you're kind of like, oh, man, I wish we would have known that before we made the record. But that's kind of like the beauty of it, it's almost like you can't, you can't know it. You can only know it through time, you know, I guess to come full circle back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like some things can only be known through time and you can't rush them, you know, but you have to start somewhere. Yeah. 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 I love it, man. Well, Hey, this is, um, this has been really great to talk to you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Thank you, brother. I hope you guys have a great uh, show tonight. And um, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk soon. I'll probably see you in Newport. Yeah. Safe travels. Yeah, you too, man. One day I tried to move. Oh, I tried to move, but I could not. They said, go to the whole And I took a long way. And that's it for this edition of the TalkHouse Music Podcast. Thanks to our producer-engineers, Mark Yoshizumi and Elia Einhorn. For more TalkHouse Music Podcasts, by all means visit our SoundCloud page or subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And to read smart, notable musicians writing about new music, please do visit thetalkhouse.com music.